Welcome back to our podcast, A Fight Worth Fighting. This is your host, Amanda Borrego. And on today's episode, we talk about three things. Number one, are you a negative Nancy? Have your struggles in marriage turned you bitter? And have you lost your optimism and positivity or are habitually negative? Number two, how to get your faith up and get your hopes up inside of your marriage, even when things are not visibly changing. Number three, uh, here our guests leave us with an amazing challenge to get your eyes on God, focus on God and on the good in your spouse to take your marriage to the next level. And I'm going to throw in number four because she's an expert and she shared with us how to guard our children against the danger of being groomed or sex trafficked. So this is the second part of my interview with the amazing, wonderful Melody Jacobs. She's a mother of five. She's been married 25 years and is currently working at a nonprofit called Elijah Rising. They share that the mission of Elijah Rising is to end sex trafficking through prayer, awareness, intervention, and restoration. Melody is the restorative care director and specifically provides support and care for women who have been victims and helps them to come out of that and to get back on their feet. Um, So make sure you listen to the end for her to share how we can contribute to this cause and she touches on how to protect our families and our children from the danger of subtle grooming tactics inside the sex trafficking world. So congratulations for being here and having a heart to improve your marriage. But how do we really create change in our marriage? Well, while these episodes are encouraging in and of themselves, and if you want more, make sure to go back and listen to all of the previous episodes because the advice is seriously timeless. Um, These episodes are great, but they are infinitely better if you listen together with your spouse. And if you're like me and you need a little bit more structure or a checklist, go and download one of our free guides. Um, We have a guide called What to Do If Your Spouse is Tearing Your Marriage Apart. We have an amazing new intimacy challenge guide with seven challenges to bring the spark back to your sex life. Um, so go check those out at a fight worth fighting podcast.com. It's a F W F podcast.com. Um, we have some amazing, um, guides and also some free printable resources for you. So go check that out. A F W F podcast.com. Um, if you are a business owner and need a website or updating to your website or any graphic design, my husband is incredible. And um, he has a fast turnaround time as well with the work he does. So go check out our family business at lenadesignco.com. So if you have not listened to our previous episodes, make sure you listen to that. It is the first half of this interview. This episode you're listening to right now is the second half of our interview with Melody. So you don't want to listen to this episode. If you didn't listen to the previous one, you might be a little lost. And if you want to hear her husband's side of things, go listen to episode 41 and 42. Make sure you listen to the end to hear my biggest takeaway and how it's played out in my faith and in my marriage. And also Melody leaves us with the most amazing marriage challenge to take our marriage to the next level. So let's get right into it. Our second episode with Melody Jacobs. Here we go. 
so I just have a question because uh, yeah, I know you were sharing you know you had this habit of seeing your husband doing something and being like oh my goodness he's always gonna be this way he's never gonna get it right and just being so ungrateful and seeing everything he does through that lens of of um of negativity and I think that's really hard to overcome because once you have kind of built that habit you really have to work to become grateful and to start speaking life and praying for your husband like you shared um so my first question just because I want all of us wives to know that it's possible and we can do it too um I just kind of want to know how how bad was it like what were your biggest fights what um what what was how did you really feel like what what were the feelings going through you what what were the the issues that you were really kind of battling about um just so we can really feel like okay (laughs) it was pretty bad for her too and if she can overcome it we can overcome it so if you'll just share like where were you at um that way we can just know okay okay we can become more grateful we can do this too sure so we always me and brian always tell uh couples and when we've prayed with them before are and i've told women other women this too my marriage has seen all of the hardships that a marriage can see except for the death of a living child like already born child i guess because they are still living in the womb but but like so we faced it all all of it you know and <clears throat> and so there's this this place of faith that i can say i stood and we both now this takes two okay so if you have your you're doing your part and then God gets a hold of your husband and he decides that okay I'm going to start making some changes as well so it does take two people remember that in any relationship when you're dealing with humans everyone has free will love is not love without a choice if i was to say amanda i'm forcing you to love me there would not be any authenticity in that love okay mm-hmm. So love is not love without a choice and everyone has their free will. And so you do your part. I I give my will to you, Lord. I yield to what your plan is. Your plan is that no one ever separates that, that they stay together and they move forward as a family unit. You know, the two become one and they stay one. Mm -hmm. So, so having to go through all of the hardships you know, all of those places where the majority of marriages fall apart, um, but but hanging on to God and saying, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it the world's way. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to lay down sometimes my right to be right. And I'm going to anchor in and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to believe what the Lord says, and I'm going to move towards that is, is what 
we came from. There, there were, I mean, I could give, I, I don't want to jump into like the nitty gritty details because I don't want to lose necessarily the meat of the redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, but I can, as my name is Melody, God can bring you through it and God can actually make your marriage better on the other side of all of the hardships that a marriage can face. It's going to be a storm getting through and it does take time and trust does need to be rebuilt in certain areas and, and, and you have to be diligent. You know, there's this, you said legalistic, I say intentional. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to um, know that this, my marriage depends on this, just like we feed our bodies and then we drink water because our, our, we have to live to do those things. That should be your thought process, especially in the world today. That should be your thought process. I need to sit down and I need to pray for my, my kids. I need to, I need to get myself in alignment with who God says I am and who he is for me. And I need to pray for my husband and I need to do that. Like our, it is the breath of life within our marriage. And it's, and I know that sounds very heavy. This is very, all of the things I'm saying seem very, very heavy. But the heavy responsibility of that actually falls on God's end because he's the wonder working power behind all of it. Our part is just simply to say, yes, I give you my yes. I give you my 10 minutes. I give you my 50 minutes. I give you my hour. You know, I give you my trust. You know, I'm going to sit with you. Even if I don't know what to say, I'm going to sit with you for a little bit and see what you have to say to me. And if I don't hear anything today, it's okay. I'm going to sit with you again tomorrow. I'm going to knock. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking because I know you're faithful. You know, so I, I know that it's all very heavy, but um, our part isn't necessarily that heavy. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I love that. I love that perspective that you put it in as far as just like we need water to live and food to live to live well we need we need god and we need that quiet time with god you're so right i i love that i love that so much um so so one thing that um your husband shared on my interview with him he shared that he says that he was an atheist in the early part of your your marriage and mm-hmm. he shares that the collective faith that your family now has really came from you and your family and your parents and your upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously now we can see you both have a very strong faith and you guys are on fire for God. And um, so what what do you remember about him becoming a believer like what was that process like um was that something that you regularly prayed for um i often hear um girlfriends and messages i get from from podcast listeners and even things that strangers post on social media i i i often see a lot of women saying well what if my husband isn't the spiritual leader what do i do mm-hmm. um so if you can remember back was was there ever a time where you wondered that same thing? What do I do? Um, and and can you can you share that journey with us? Sure. So um, I grew up 
in church, um, very strong. My family was very strong in our faith. Um, my, my father had walked away and, and, and because of the troubles of their marriage, my mom, I watched my mom, even though she was going through hurt and anger because they had a long marriage. And, um, I, I, I watched her hold on to God for dear life. <clears throat> so I have this picture, uh, or like I had this history that I seen, like this can be done basically. Um, I, I walked away from Jesus whenever I was a teenager. You know, I, I always like call it my seven years of hell because I, um, an older teenager, I walked away from him. I felt like he, I had, I had disobeyed him in a way that I wouldn't be able to go back to, to Jesus. And so I, in that time period, I'm meeting Brian, I'm getting married. We're having a couple of years of just fighting and drama in all of those things. That was the, you're too broke to get a divorce stage. (laughs) (laughs) So, so here we are, you know, staying together, little, two little girls at this point. And, and then the Lord starts to just speak to me again. And, um, it was, it was, he was going out. I can tell you exactly. He was going out to do something very hard and I am sitting playing video games, actually. Because remember, we're like, I'm like, what, 21 at this point? Um, and he walks out and I say, good luck. <laughs> Poor guy. I say, good luck. And he walks out of the house and the Holy Spirit says, you'll tell your husband good luck, but you won't pray for him. And he said it so clearly out of the blue. Mind you, I'm not I'm not following Jesus at this point. He said, I paused my game. And I was like, okay, I'll follow you, but you got to talk to me like you used to when I was young. And all of heaven fell in my house. And I was just like captured. I'm like, I am never letting go of Jesus again. I don't care what happens. I'm not doing it. So then here's Brian, who's like angry and not believing in Jesus, very militant, you know, because of our culture, he was militant. It's the white man's religion, you know, all of those things. And um, and I'm like, well, our marriage sucks, so I'm not giving up Jesus for this. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, but God like was like, no, no, that's the wrong perspective. And God actually in that time gave me a really supernatural just love and grace for him. So he would be like, he would be so angry and he like, I don't know if I love you anymore. I don't know if I want to stay married to you. You're not the same person. And it just would roll off of my back. I'm like, I love Jesus. I was in, I was on cloud nine. Like picture when you first met your husband and all you could think about was him and all you wanted to do was just be with him. That's where I was at with Jesus. And, um, and I was like, I will lose everything. I don't care. I am never letting go of him again. Um, I, the Holy spirit started to like, okay, start praying for your husband, start praying for your husband. And so I started to, and then he had his own encounter with, with Jesus and he gave his life to the Lord pretty quick after I did. So there wasn't a huge um, time frame that I had to do that. It was on the other side of us both being saved that a lot of um, hidden sin and and just junk from the past started to 
bubble up and he would hide because he was in shame, you know? Um, and then I wasn't, of course, I'm like new, uh, newly an adult saved. <laughs> I would say like I was an adult saved, you know, that difference between being a little kid and having those responsibilities. And then now you have children and you're starting to follow Jesus. And what does that look like? And so, of course, I was by no no means perfect, very critical of him. Like, why can't you just be like, you know, or why why do you do this? And and let me just warn against that because that brings shame. Comparison is the thief of joy. So if you're comparing your husband to someone else you see in church, like or someone else, it, it will suck the joy right out of your marriage. What it also does is that critical that critical talk will actually invite shame into the picture. And when we look at Genesis, when they looked and they the sin entered in, they saw that they were naked, they saw their vulnerability vulnerability, they they clothed themselves and they hid. They saw their vulnerability, they were shameful, fearful and they hid. So if you're not a safe place for and and you're always just in that critical talk, you're inviting that fear and that shame to come in and I guarantee you things even in yourself or in your husband they will start to hide and it will ruin and rot a good marriage. So <clears throat> that's just a little side note. <laughs> no, so, so don't be critical. <laughs> So I have a question. I think very much we can get a critical spirit out of just our bad habits and being mm -hmm. so negative. But I also feel like that can come from a very um, honest place. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think we can amplify it and make it a hundred times worse because it's hard to just address something and then, oh, it's it's hard to let things go when they keep happening over and over again. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Because I, I agree. And that's one thing this new year. I'm like, okay, I need it. I used to be a way more positive person. I need to get back there. Mm -hmm. I need to build my faith up. Um, but so what do we do if there are real issues that we need to deal with? If there's real sin? I mean. No, I it's. I, I, I totally understand that. And, um, so when I talk to someone and I say the hard things, there's an investment. I can't just, well, it's, it's usually highly ineffective. If I walk up to you and I don't know you and I say, I see this negative, 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 negative thing. Chances are, you're really not going to take, you're going to get automatically defensive. Mm -hmm. But if I've invested in you and I'm when when there's the good and I'm constantly like encouraging you and you know I'm championing you on, then when I have to have those hard talks, then you know that there's there's that that in that platform and that investment of love. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I'm praying for my husband and if I'm saying I'm highlighting the good things in him, being intentional about highlighting the good things when we have to address a hard thing. And this goes both ways. Okay. This, when we have to address a hard thing, it might not be the prettiest of discussions, but, but I'm coming from a place of love, not frustration. 
I would highly recommend like if you if something is happening, use a time not that when you're when you're frustrated to sit down and talk about those things. Pray through it first. And then ask the Lord, Lord, give us a time where we can sit down and talk about this and you're in the midst of the conversation. So then you're bringing something to the table when there's a time of peace that you can say, hey, you know what, this, um, you did this the other day and it bothered me and this is why I felt, you can use I speech, which is um, really good, like I felt like... um, this was an attack on my character and it hurt my feelings. Can you tell me more about that? Can you, can you, um, can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's going to go great. And sometimes that's going to be a dumpster <laughs> fire and, and that's just life. So you go back and you pray about it, you know, and, and even if it's not resolved, okay, God, I'm going to ask that you speak to your son. <laughs> <laughs> Nine times out of 10, the Lord will. And even if your husband is not following Jesus, the Bible says that he turns the head of kings and the direction he wants them. So you can go through the history of the Bible and see all of these pagan kings doing exactly what God wanted them to do. You know, it was the king of, uh, in Daniel's time and Nehemiah's time that, that actually was like, you know what? We like your God, have all these other gods, but like your God, we're going to let you have all the money and go back to your, your home land and build your temple and build your wall. That God, that king did not serve the God of Israel, you know? So I would say, I would say we have the biblical precedence there that, that, you can still pray for your husband and ask God to turn his heart and turn Turn his head to the direction that God wants him to go that's best for your family. You know? So, uh, you know, don't discredit what I'm saying just because your husband's not following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but but those are the things. That's, that's how you walk through life. Okay, Lord, um, he's not listening to me. So, Holy Spirit, can you please go talk to him? <laughs> and and you lay it down and you pray and you continue on. Because sometimes it's you're in for the long haul. This was, I do till death do us part. So, you know, if you want to mean those words, then it might be a while before you start to see his heart change in those things. And we have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be immediate. It might be, um, it might take some time, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so, but I definitely think that when you're, when you're praying, like, when you're praying, you're moving mountains in the spiritual realm. You're 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 setting the stage in the spiritual realm. So whatever we do in the natural, really, especially if we're 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 doing it first in the the spiritual realm, and that is through prayer. I know that's kind of deep, but um, so. So I would say if you're struggling, you feel like, man, I've had this conversation with him over and over again. It never, it never turns out well, then perhaps you need to not have like, like insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting (laughs) different results. So let's change the tactic. Actually, let's sit down and let's pray and fast over it. 
until the Lord gives, then you see the, you feel the peace and the push of God to say, okay, now's the time, address it. Or you just naturally see the Lord work on him and the Lord change it. Those are the best times when you're like, Lord, this is a problem. And I don't, I'm not saying anything because I can't. And then God says something and God starts to change it. And I've seen that multiple times. Oh my gosh. I really, really love how you answered that because I think so often I've heard, um, you know, that's what men need. They need encouragement. They need encouragement. They need encouragement, you know, speak life over them. And so in my mind, I've always been like, well, but I want him to do this, 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 and this. And he needs to do better at this, this, and this. And he needs to change this, this, and it, this. And so I don't have time to encourage him because I have to tell him all the things I need to do better. <laughs> and so I seriously love how you offer like, yeah, I understand that. We all have areas that we need to be better. Both the husband, we, we all sin. We all have things that we need to do better. And um. And you're not saying don't ignore those things, but just what I took from that is I need to work on being 90% encouraging and then that's going to open the door for him to actually listen because we have that, you know, relationship where he knows that I have his back, where he knows that I'm for him. Mm-hmm. So he'll be more likely to listen. If I'm 90% encouraging, he'll be more likely to be open and listen to the 10% that I, you know, that I, of the things that I want to work on. And yep. uh, that really, really, really helped put it in perspective for me. I love that so much. Um, so I want to start wrapping it up because I, I don't want to keep you long. Um but I have a question. So um, I ask every person that comes on the podcast to just leave us married couples with the challenge. You can give us, ch- us women a challenge or us men a challenge or um, a, the couple as a whole that you think will really start moving our marriages forward. Um, but I also wanted to ask you just from your perspective as a wife. Um, your husband shared in the last episode, he just said, I think I asked like, well, what were your major problems? And he said, you know, I wasn't a bad guy. I provided for my family. I took care of my family. I worked hard. And he just said, I just, I didn't understand what it meant to be a husband and what my wife really, really needed from me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, um, this day and age, what what do you feel like we're overlooking? Like just simple things that we're like, oh yeah, of course, like my wife does need that. Or, mm-hmm. oh yeah, of course, like my husband does need that. But we're just kind of sometimes blind to like the true heart of, of a woman, of a wife mm-hmm. and, and of a man. Like what are just some of those things like, oh yeah, husband's like, this is really all your wife really needs. Or Mm -hmm. hey, wives, like this is really all your husband needs. Sure. 
I think for me personally, one of the, because everybody has different love languages and, and um, so I think communication is huge. Like dating, continuing to date. I know that just like with lots of kids and, and, and life, we, we are so busy. Mm-hmm. We put our kids in every sport, <laughs> you know, we, we sign up for this and that. And, and even if you're uh, in the church, you're, you're part of the community groups and we're so, we have filled our lives with such busyness. And if we're not, we're on our phone scrolling because just to have some mindless time, you know, all of these things. Um, and sometimes we can get in that where we're just we're roommates instead of companions, you know, so being intentional to date frequently, sit down and have conversations together and be open about what you're needing, not not in the time frame whenever you're fighting, like, I need you this, this, and this. That, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're going on a date. You're sitting down. What what can I do to, and, and I'm probably going to shake every feminist out there. What can I do to serve you? <laughs> How can I serve you, babe? How can I, um, what can I do that will help you feel loved? You know, and then him asking the same question of me. You know, do you feel supported? He Brian will often ask me, like, do you feel supported? Are you do you feel loved? Those are such beautiful questions that don't take a lot, but but sometimes you have to get away, like go have dinner together, go sit and have a cup of coffee together where you can actually ask those questions without the distractions. Mm-hmm. And when when your kids are little, it might be a little bit fewer and far between. <laughs> they grow up, trust me, and then you can like. Throw some Cheerios down and lock the door. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're a little older, so they can take care of themselves and you're not far away. And so you'll have this, you'll get to a season for all you young mamas out there. You will get to a season where you can go and just have some time one-on-one where it's a little bit more uh, frequent. But just being intentional about what conversations you're having and what communication you're having in the times of peace. Mm Mm-hmm. So that it sticks and that you guys can like kind of marinate in it. And so for me, I really, I I love a sense of security um, and safety. You know, um, Brian's very supportive. My, my work is hard. I, I did before I was overseeing our residential program, I was out on the street in very dark places. Um, He didn't, he, he trusted God with me, you know, because I, I'd gone to some very, some very dangerous places. Um, and then after being in those places, four o'clock in the morning, I might get home, curl up in a bed and just curl up next to him snoring, like so loud, you could probably hear it from outside, but just curling up next to him and knowing that he was a place of safety. To me, that just, that's huge. That's his place of support for me, you know? Um, It it wasn't always like he didn't tip, he couldn't go into some of the places that I went. He just couldn't, you know? Mm -hmm. So so that was his way of supporting me. And sometimes he'd wake up and just like, do you need to talk or just pray over me? So that's what I needed. But you really need to sit down and, and like, 
Like, here's my challenge to you ladies <laughs> or and men, whoever's listening. Here's my challenge after all of all of the the theme of this, basically this podcast. I challenge you to sit down with a piece of paper and ask some questions of the Lord. Who do you say that I am? And then listen and write down what you see, what you hear, what you just feel. Don't question it. Believe that God's big enough to speak to you in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 believe, have some faith in what you're writing. Don't discredit it. Then Sit down and do the same thing. God, who do you say my husband is? And write it down. You know, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. And um, and believe it and start to pray into it. That's my challenge. Because mm-hmm. that right there, those are tangible steps to start to step into faith. The Bible says faith without works is dead. I can be, I can tell you all day long, I believe the chair I'm sitting in can hold me up. But if I don't action, put action to it, sit down in the chair and show you that I believe the chair can hold me up, you're not going to see the faith aspect of what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. faith without works is dead. So by faith, do these tangible things and start to pray into your identity and his identity. And I, I promise you, you're going to see a change. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to do that. I love that so much. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, so the last few questions that I have for you, I just want to know a little bit more about your guys' nonprofit organization um, I want to know um, just how we can support what you have going on or the cause as a whole, um, yeah. y- you know, what how, just in our daily lives, you know, or in our own city. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my first question. How can we support, you know, this cause? And then, um, and then... Uh, I've been wanting to ask you this since we met you guys in Durango because you have you're the expert. Just how can we? I feel like we see this all the time over the news, and it's just really a scary thing. Like I'm always like, oh my god, is someone gonna snatch my kids up from mm. from me when I go out in public? Um, or I've been hearing a lot of things in Santa Fe, just of weird people like following, you know, moms around parking lots. So how do we keep our family and our our children safe? Um, practical things to teach them as a toddler. And then also I feel like it's a big transition, you know, once they can understand more as like teens, mm-hmm. um, like simple phrases that we can teach our kids, our families. Mm-hmm. And also, is there like a certain activity we should be encouraging them to join or our family as a whole, like jujitsu or any other kind of activity like that. Um, I just want to know your, your expertise and what makes a difference. Sure. So awareness is huge. Um, I would look into like, we have our Elijah Risen podcast. We have a podcast. You can hear various experts, um, that will speak into those, um, just some awareness in trafficking. You know, what does it really look like? Yes, there are those instances where someone's snatched or it's like you see the young girl in the container duct tape. They, there are those, but more than that, 
it's usually this um, this mind game that traffickers will will play on young women or and young men. So you're wanting to be mindful of what are the tactics of grooming when especially when it comes to your children, or are you um, coming from a vulnerable population demographic? Look into what exploiters, they're, they're predators. And so they're looking is what is it that I, what void does this person have that I can fill to gain trust and then to move into just playing all of these mind games that get you into this place to where you don't even realize you're being exploited. So you can look into different avenues of awareness and and become aware. What does it really look like? What does the majority of it look like? Um, teach your kids to be open and honest no matter what. I, I, I've heard story upon story where the the kiddo has their phone. They started talking to someone. Someone started to groom them, like befriend them, get them, get their trust, start to, to change their moral, their internal moral compass. So like what that looks like, um, if say I'm a person who drives 45, you know, or only five miles over the speed limit, that's kind of where my moral compass is. And this is just an example. So the exploiter would say, no, let's shift that through pressure and manipulation to where you'll actually go 50 now, you know? So they they start to mess with all of those things. And um, then it's like, hey, send me a picture. I really love you and I'll send you a picture back. Kid sends next naked picture to this exploiter. And then it then they've got them. If you don't do what I say, then I'm going to send this picture to all of your family or to the whole school. Mm-hmm. You know, so and then it's like the kid's scared and, and afraid and shame and feeling shame. So they do what the trafficker wants them to do. So being uh, no letting your kids know that they can come to you no matter how bad they screwed up, you know? Mm -hmm. And also too, I look through my kid's phone. I know some people are like, oh, that's their private. No. When when you're under my covering and you're in my house, everything that you have is I have access to, you know, because I am going, I'm thinking farther ahead than my 17-year-old is. My 17-year-old is thinking, you know, right in front of the immediate gratification right in front of their face. It's my job as a parent to make sure I'm looking ahead for them. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking through their phone. I'm having conversations. If my kid comes home with something new, where did you get that gift? Who gave it to you? Mm -hmm. Why did they give it to you? You know, being very involved in your children's lives to to notice if they're pulling back, if their friend group is changing, if they start showing up with things that, oh, so-and-so from high school gave me, like, oh, my friend Jennifer from high school gave me this really cool purse. And then she gives her another really cool purse. Those are warning. Those are red flags. Mm. Um, Lots of times traffickers will put younger girls that have been exploited as recruiters in the schools. 
And so um, you're not looking for, you know, a scary man in a van. I mean, you are, but that's not, you're also looking for the new friend group who's a little bit more edgy and your child is changing your child's personality. Those are the things you're looking for. And so really just, I mean, that could be, honestly, Amanda, that could be a whole podcast. (laughs) So I don't want to give too much, but Mm -hmm. so those are some of the things become aware, Mm -hmm. dig into those places where you can just learn more about grooming tactics and and what it looks like when they recruit children and whatnot. Also too, um, it, for us, for our organization, we are always in need of uh, donors, of partners. Um, it takes about 80,000, I believe, to bring a woman fully through our restorative care program. We provide everything for them, you know, and oftentimes there's, there's legal issues. We, we have pro bono partners, but if there's some fees, we're going to help them pick that up. If there, um, if there's education pieces that we can't get scholarships through, we're going to help with those costs groceries, bills, food, clothing, all of the above. What it would take to raise your child, just picture that, is what we're taking on when we bring a woman into our restorative care to help her get to a place to where she can be successfully independent and identify a good community and and, and move into her healing and be successful in it. So there's always a partnership. You can go to ElijahRising.org and and look at our website and see all of the different ways that you're able to partner with us. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for all of that. And I will put a link for that in our show notes and I'll link your website and your podcast. Um, so yes thank you so much melody you you and your husband and your family have seriously been such a blessing (laughs) for my little family you guys probably don't even know but um i'm so grateful for (laughs) that chance encounter we had in durango and i i your advice and your husband's advice means everything to me i'm so Melody, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on and pouring into all of us married couples. Honestly, your challenge is my favorite one yet. I know I say that all the time, but really I loved it. And I am about to leave you all with my biggest takeaway from this interview. I loved Melody's challenge at the end where she said, sit down and pray and ask God to reveal to you and ask him, who do you say that I am, Lord? And who do you say my spouse is, Lord? And to just believe in that and have faith and pray that over your marriage and over your spouse. And um, I wish I can say I did it immediately when she first gave this interview, but I didn't do it till now until I'm doing the final edit. But it just, honestly, I feel like it's something that God's really been just working with me on for a long time. It's been a couple weeks now that we did this Bible study. It was called the Freedom Class. Some of our friends invited us to join in on this Bible study at their church. And um, I, it was like the most insightful Bible study I've ever done. It really taught me a lot about the Holy Spirit. Like I've always read that verse in the Bible that says like, these are the fruits of the the Holy Spirit, you know, um, joy, peace, kindness, 
um, self-discipline, patience. And I've always been like, well, I don't have any of those things. So I don't think I have the Holy Spirit. But this Bible study was just so cool because it would like have you um, read a few verses from the Bible. And I would usually just try to read the whole chapter. And then this workbook from the Bible study would ask you, okay, so what did you get out of that? What did you think about this topic? And then it would say, okay, now pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what this means in your life. And I'd realized like, wow, I've always prayed. I've always tried to read my Bible, but I never knew how important the Holy Spirit was. And it was just so incredible because I could literally hear like, God answer me and like speak back to me when I would get quiet and when I would say like, Lord, Holy Spirit, like show me what you want me to see, open my eyes. And like, I've just really been trying to incorporate that like into just take that on, you know, into my day-to-day life. And um, it's just been so cool. Like I I never learned about the Holy Spirit like that. And so um, today when I was doing the challenge that Melody told us to take on. Um, I just jotted down like the most incredible things. But this morning, before I even listened to this, the second half of this episode or started editing it, editing it, I was reading my Bible and it just happened to be the chapter on where um, Jesus fed like, I think over 10,000 people out of just like five loaves of bread and a couple fish, you know? And um, so I was just praying because also in that chapter, Jesus talks and he's sharing about how he's um, the bread of life and how anyone that wants to come through the father must come through him and how we are to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. And us being Christians, we know that metaphorically he's speaking of how he came to save us and die for our sins and die on the cross for us and you know the last supper where symbolically the bread is you know we're taking of his body and the wine of his blood but um when he was speaking to this crowd of people he was literally saying eat my flesh and drink my blood and it said that thousand or it said that most of his disciples left and they left him and deserted him is what it said because they were even asking. Sorry, let me grab my Bible. Really, They were asking him, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? And he was saying, um, oh, and, and so someone even asked, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. And um, so these people were left confused because they're like, what in the world? Like They knew that they were awaiting a Savior, and they saw Jesus perform all of these miracles and they were following him and they were believing. But then he started saying these things like, unless you eat the flesh and unless you drink the blood. And then it says that they were confused. They were asking, how can this be? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then I was thinking that the chapter was going to go on and Jesus was going to explain what he meant by this, but he, he didn't really do that. And and then it shares, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. 
and I was thinking to myself, I would have probably left too. I mean, if I was following this man and believing and he was performing miracles and then all of a sudden he was saying these things that seemed kind of off the wall, I would, I would have probably left. And so this morning, just in prayer, I was just asking God, Lord, please open to my eyes. If I need to see it from a different perspective, something you're trying to teach me, like open my eyes. Um, show me it from a different angle so that I can understand because Lord, I, I, I wouldn't have believed. I would have thought that was, was weird. I would have probably have left. So I was just praying like, Lord, please open my eyes in my own life to the things that you want me to see when I may, may be misunderstanding you. And so, um, so then the rest of that chapter goes on to share on how Jesus fed thousands from a couple of loaves of bread and that miracle that he performed. And then I started editing this episode and Melody was just sharing how her marriage was so hard and how it was basically a miracle that she was okay, that she found peace and that her eyes were just so focused on Jesus and that it was like, you know, the honeymoon phase when you're in a new relationship and it's just, you're so happy, you're so joyful with that person. And she was just feeling that way with her relationship with Jesus. And I was just thinking, that's a miracle right there. And so I just kept praying like, Lord, open my eyes, help me to see what I'm not seeing. And and then he just really spun. I, like I said, I've been trying to say like, Holy Spirit, like reveal to me what you want me to see. And I just heard him say like, you need to learn that I can do something from nothing. I can do a lot with very little. I can create everything from absolutely nothing. And it just hit me so hard. And I just started thinking like, we've all heard, trust God, give it all to him. And you know, he'll bless you. But I i don't think I've ever understood it in this way. And I've never had the understanding that I have very little faith. I think that in my life, I've always been very action oriented and ambitious and driven. And I've always known like, okay, yeah, I know it's me and God. Like I know that God helps me, but I have a part too. And while I think a little bit of that is true, I think that I've had a lot of selfish ambition or just a misunderstanding for how very powerful God is. And he just really got a hold of me today and said, like, no, no, like with your kids, you don't need to get so hung up on how to discipline them. Like your little bit of faith is all that I need. I can do the rest. Maybe God wants to say to you today in your marriage, maybe it doesn't have to be, oh, well, this is wrong with my spouse and that's wrong with my spouse. So we need counseling. Like, no, God can do all of the work. Maybe God wants to say to you, just believe, just pray over your spouse and I can do everything. Maybe they don't need to (laughs) undergo years of therapy because God has a plan. So maybe that's what he's asking you to believe today. I just feel so inspired that God got a hold of me and really showed me like, yes, it's good to do good works, but at the same time, like, am I really believing that my God is big enough to change everything and to bless me even if I do very little?
all he's asking throughout the Bible is for our belief and for our faith. And time and time again, he shows us that he can, from nothing, he can make anything and he can do a lot with a little. I just feel like God wants me to let you know that regardless of who you think you are, who you were in the past, your past actions, God can do a lot with a little. You're not who you were in the past. Your marriage is not what it was in the past. Take Melody's challenge on and get your faith up. Ask God to show you where your faith is weak, like where mine was weak. And ultimately putting all of the power inside of myself to think that I could change things where I feel like the biggest lesson God is teaching me is all he asks is for my faith and for my belief and he can do a lot with very, very little. He can make anything out of nothing. And I just believe God wants you to step into that optimistic and faithful and hopeful, positive person. Because in my life, I see it time and time again where ultimately God is just saying, ignore all of the negativity and all of the drama and while I just get stuck on like, well, it's true. Well, this thing is true and this needs to be pointed out. I feel time and time again, God is just like, give it to me. Your job is to get your hopes up, to get your faith up, to put your trust in me, to let go of you thinking you need to do all of the hard work. We don't need to do the hard work to force things to happen. God can very easily come in and turn things around without any work from us. All he's asking for is our faith and our belief. So I hope this episode blesses you today. Um, if you got anything out of this, I ask from the bottom of my heart to go and leave us a review to send it to a married couple that you know um, you never, ever know who's struggling behind closed doors. So please send this. Go check out our website, afwfpodcast.com if you need a free guide to help you move forward. And if you need a website, if you're a business owner, need graphic design, go check out our family business at lenadesignco.com. Have the best day ever.